This Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent, the slaying of Woodrow Wilson, and you stay for the principles and the absolute love and respect of the idea of America. And today's going to be a bit of a different show because, as you guys know, maybe some of you do, some of you don't, but I do my best to interact with you guys. And, you know, when you guys message me privately going, hey, John, you know, I think you're right here and we'll have a conversation. They're usually a lot shorter conversations because where do you go from there? It's like, thanks, I appreciate it, which I do. But the longer conversations are is, hey, this is where I think you're wrong or this is where I think your logic falls down. And usually I always will try, if it starts publicly or if it starts privately, I'll always try and make it private so it's a one-to-one. So it's a back and forth. You don't have a lot of people going, oh, you're a liberal, oh, you're a tramper. And you have all these loads of people getting involved. I usually have a a private conversation. And I had a private conversation this week, and I'm going to share it. Not the person who was involved, but I'm going to share it the way this conversation started. Because I'm doing this because there might be some of you who feel the same way or might echo those sentiments. And one of the objections this person had, and I'm going to read it word for words. John, I've been listening to you for a long time. I really respect... I always love when they start out this, because usually when they start out this way, it's like, I really respect you, I really like your accent, I really like the way you talk or the things you stand for. But, but you know, it's always the way people deal, you know, and I appreciate it. I'm not mocking, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm just saying, you know, when I start reading this, I always know there's a but coming here somewhere. I really respect you and your opinions, and I really appreciate the fact that you speak out for free, which I do, for so long, and that you have never grown bitter towards America. However, listening to recent shows, I have to be honest with you, I'm getting really sick of you talking about humility. I don't think it matters for the world we live in in 2020. It might be a grandiose idea, but John, you need to understand the world we live in. We just need to smash them. Let's discuss, shall we? Because I'm discussing this with you, not because, hey, I want to have this conversation with you the way I've had it with this individual, but I want to discuss it with you because there may be some of you who are feeling the same way. There may be some of you who are going to go, oh, John, there he's talking about humility and Oh, my God, I want to smack him. Okay. Well, I always believe the best way to deal with criticism or adversity or whatever word you want to describe this as is having a dialogue. And I'll explain to you why I think it's so important. And then at the end of this show, if this person listens, because he'll get to verbal end the video if he's lucky, if he's watching on YouTube, or if he just decides I've had the conversation, I'm, I've had it with John. Whatever way it is. If there are people like that listening and this is your last show, I wish you a vida sane. Adios. Merci beaucoup. There, I can even speak French. The French man can speak French. Oh, oh. merci beaucoup. Oh, oh. But I want to address it. I want to address why I think humility is so important. But before I do, there's people out there who I respect who are out there talking about smashing them. I want to just talk to you and ask you just to do a bit of soul reflection over the weekend or over the next couple of weeks. Because as 2020 amps up and the emotions are, are starting to really get there, and there's reasons you should be emotional. Look, I see the pictures of your cities burning. There, if you understand how much I love America, you have to understand there's not one inch of me. Not even one little ounce. And there is lots of ounces here. There is lots of ounces in this body. There is not one ounce of me that are going, that's cool. Look at that burn. That's awesome. I just think it's despicable. You're talking to someone who believes in private property. You're talking to someone who believes in free markets. You're talking to someone who believes in... And every show salutes your police. That's not a popular stand, by the way. Especially in some libertarian circles. Oh, why did you salute the police? They just want to take my drugs. There's a bit more to police work than taking drugs, all right? But I want to just ask you one honest question, just to think about on your own time. I'm not going to discuss it in this show, because I want to talk about humility. What does smashing them look like? One of the reasons I talk about humility, and the reason I'm bringing this little point up, is because it fits perfectly into everything else I want to talk to you about. Do you understand the narcissism and the narcissistic attitude that you have if you think you can smash this. Do you understand that? Now, I'm not saying you're a narcissist. I want to be crystal clear before people put word in my mouth. I'm talking about your viewpoint. 
This idea, whether you believe it's all because of Donald Trump or because it's the right or whatever thing you think is going to smash it, whatever ingredients you think are there that is going to smash this, you really think you can smash something that has been around in many different forms throughout all, not just the last few years, all of human history. You know, I'm, all, I'm an optimistic guy for the future. I think this is just a phase. I talk to many of you privately where they're going, I think the world is ending. I think Jesus is coming back. Do you? You're a Christian. No, I don't. I think this is a little period of time and we're focusing in on this little year, two years, three years, four years, ten years with all our little blanket blinkers on and we're forgetting what's coming and what's gone. This is just a little period of time. This too shall pass. Things will calm down. But when you understand the ideologies that are at play, you really think that ever who you are right now, that whether it's because of Donald Trump or because of ever who you think are the key components to smashing this is, you really think you have the answer to Karl Marx right now. You think you really have the understanding that all of a sudden you're going to smash these people or this ideology. And all of a sudden for the rest of human history, People are not going to want to control you. That there's not going to be one of people that are going to go, you earn too much. You have too much. This system's unfair. You've got to take from them. Do you think they're really people are just going to go back into their own shelves? No. I think you will beat this little period of BLM idiocy. I think you will beat this period of BLM where let's just burn the streets down. I think you will beat that. But this understanding of you're going to smash this idea of communism, of Marxism, I'm sorry, it's going to be around forever. I hate to tell you this because I'm not trying to dismotivate you or upset you, but communism and Marxism and that general philosophy of control will outlive me and you. Because when you boil down human history, all it is is based is in around the idea of control. The question for me is not whether communism survives or whether Marxism survives. The question for me is, will freedom survive? Will people still believe in it? Will still people promote it? Will people still take the unpopular stand, even when it's against their own side, to stand up and go, that's wrong. That is not the role of government. This is the understanding of why government is exceptional. So as you sit down this weekend, I would ask you to reflect on what smashing it looks like. If it's just smashing BLM, good luck with that. What we need to do is coalesce around a certain value of principles. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So why is humility important? Why is it absolutely critical to be humble? There are so many ways to answer this. There is, this is a very tiered answer. This is going to be level by level by level by level. And I'm going to do my best. I'm probably fail breaking this down for you but first off i'm going to give you an answer which you've never heard me say before it's by understanding american history and understanding its place in world history you see up until america's founding in 1776 governments whether they were kings whether they were dictators whether they were great senates whether they were dynasties whether they were empires they all had a common theme they all had a figurehead at the top. It might have been one person or it might have been a head of a senate. It, generally, it's usually one person throughout human history in that country. And we elect that person sometimes, and sometimes they're chosen by theos, whether it's by, you know, a war. And hey, guess what? I am now, I've defeated you. Hey, I'm your new king, baby. Worship me. Or maybe it's true lineage and heritage. Oh, well, you know, our royal blood is so much better than that common peasant blood. You know, I, my father was king and my father's father was king and my father's father's mother was queen. And guess what, baby? My blood is better than yours. So I am now your king. Worship me. Whatever the situation of power came to be, it's always the same. That person at the top was the be all and end all of us. Everything that was good in the country was because of them. Anything that was bad in the country was someone else, and they usually got killed. There was always, I'm going to use a modern-day analogy, there was always someone, when it was something went wrong, we would blame, it's their fault. There's always usually a person with a gun behind them going, bang. 
And then we tell society, the king has rules. You know, this bad, this person, there was this problem, this person caused this problem. That person is no longer existing. Problem solved, right? That's always the way it has been. The person at the top is God, for lack of a better word, of that country. They are God. Everything runs through them, flows through them. Everything is them. I always use this as an exology, even though it's less or so now. But when you thought of the great British Empire, quote unquote, guess what you thought of? The king or the queen. You didn't think of the people. You thought of the monarchy. You talk of all oh, the majesty and knights and noblemen and, oh, I'm the queen, happy days. You thought of all of this. America was the exact opposite. You see, America's founding fathers understood they looked around at other countries. They looked around at their setup. They looked around and said, hey, what can we learn from them? Why did that? Why did ancient Rome fail? Hmm. Why did ancient Greece fail? Hmm. Why, is, why did we kick the hell out of Britain? Hmm. Why did we revolt in the first place? Hmm. These are all good questions. Maybe we should answer these. And they sat down and they took a very long period of time. A frustrating long period of time, if you want to ask some people. But they made this decision of writing the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights from 1776 to 1791. 15 years. You think you'll live in a long period of time? Just think about that. 15 years. If you, if you saw and the Bill of Rights was published today, 2020, when you fought your revolution and signed the Declaration of Independence, George Bush was just been elected second term. How long ago does that feel? Just put that into context. That's what time frame we're talking about. 15 years. George Bush was his first year of his second term. Do you remember those days? <gasps> George Bush is a warmonger. I wish. Remember those arguments? There were such simpler arguments to deal with, not compared to today. There was, there was actually a bit of intelligence in some of the arguments. They were wrong. They were faulty. But at least there was a smidgen of intelligence around. Now we don't have any of that. It's just all feelings and emotions. But that's how far along it took. Why were they different and why did they have an exact opposite setup? Because they gave voice to this principle called nature's law and nature's God. That the head of the snake, the head of the government. First off, you have a system of federalism where all the powers reside in the individual states. So Texas controls Texas, even though it wasn't one of the original 13. It's always, it's always a special place in my heart. Texas, all right? I'm sorry. Kill me. Florida is Florida, South Carolina is South Carolina, New York is <laughs> New York is New York. It's Cuomo country because he's done such a swell job, hasn't he? You know, New Jersey's New Jersey. All these different, all the power belongs there. There are 18 clauses in Article 1, Section 8. That is the federal government's job where they came together as the United States. And the head of the government was the president, which has zero power. Zero. Zilch. Everything, every power he has, he has to go to the Senate for approval. That's the way they set it up. But they understood that even if you had a president or a person, whether you believed all the power belied in the governors of each individual state, or whether you believed it belied in the president, or belonged in the speaker of the house, or the leader of the senate, wherever you believed in it, there always had to be room for a higher power. Because when you make men gods, you're on to the wrong course. Why is that? Because man does not know everything. I say this as someone who, even if you had a, a, oh my God, could you imagine if the left found out about this policy? I'm only just saying this as an analogy. But if you had a criteria for being president, you know the way you have to be 35 and a natural born, you know, all that type of stuff. Imagine if you had this criteria. Only a certified genius with an IQ of at least 160 can be president. Can you imagine the left? The left would be like, Oh my God! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that's unfair. That that's that's against. I don't know what label they come up with. Poorest or or dumbest or I. Well, I, actually, that'd be funny if they came up with the dumbest day. That's sexist, racist, dumbest. It, it is a dumb idea. But that's what they. That's what. Imagine coming up with that idea. Imagine having the smartest man who ever lived, certified genius. Could talk to you about Shakespeare, could talk to you about, you know, the, the, the breakdowns of, you know, rocket science and how to get to the moon. Could talk to you about economics. Genuinely smartest person, man or woman. Just think of that. Even that person should not be considered a god. Why? Because they don't understand everything. The simple reason I love the idea of America is because boiling it all the way, we talk about the Constitution, we talk about federalism, we talk about God and nature's law. Do you know why it's exceptional? 
Because here's the thing. It says you. Yes, you watching. Ever who you are watching on YouTube or listening on, on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on. You have the best opportunity to decide what's best for your life. Not some government bureaucrat. You strip all the other things we talk about away on a daily basis on this show. That is the fundamental reason why the idea of America is powerful. And it's one I will defend to the death. Because you know what's best for your life. Not some government genius. Even if they are certified. Because here's the thing. People make mistakes. Which leads me on to my next point. I want to talk to you about world history. And I'm going to give you a couple of events. But if you want to choose a different one. By all means go for it. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh my god. There you go talking about religion again. Yeah get used to it. Not talking about religion. Talking about Christianity. America claims to be a Christian nation. Let's put that to the test, shall we? The, Christi- the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Whether you believe he was the son of God or just, hey, another person who lived, he was crucified. Hitler's Germany, which whether you're left or right, unless you're a you know one of these actual alt-righters who believes in white supremacy, who actually believe in you know Nazism, generally is widely condemned by like 99% of the people. The third analogy is the Civil War. You pick whichever you know most about. Or if you want to use a different analogy, go for it. I want you to imagine Back to the Future is actually a real. It's actually a documentary. And what I want you to do is I want you to get into that DeLorean. I want you to back it up. Back it up a bit more. I want you to put your foot to the gas and go 88 miles an hour, baby. And I want you to go back. But you don't go back as you from 2020. You go back as you who would have lived at that time. And I want you to ask yourself a very tough question. What side would you have been on? Would you have been, I'll give all three analogies, would you have been at Jesus Christ's crucifixion going, no, we we need to free Jesus, not Barabbas. Or would you have been like, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Are you sure? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Hitler's Germany. Would you have been a Nazi? Would you have been one of those German nationalists? Or would you have been, ah, oh, I so would have been, you know, keeping Anne Frank in my basement. Ah, oh, I would have been, I would have been the biggest liberated Jews, man. You would have, you would have seen me, man. My house, you, you know, you would, you would have go into my house. It would be spot the Christian because there'd be so many Jews there. Or civil war. Would you have been an abolitionist? Would you have been on the hill going, slavery is wrong. We must never, ever allow this happen in our country again. I am so with Abraham Lincoln. Would you have been that type of person? Just think about that as we go into this break, because I want to talk to you about that when we come back. transport yourself back to the the time you've chosen who would you be for now i'll ask you to think because automatically the easy answer and i'm not being disrespectful when i say this the easy answer is oh i would have i would have totally been saved free jesus oh i totally would have been against hitler oh i totally would have been an abolitionist really 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 i'm asking this question again really you see, the problem, and this is mainly for a message for my friends on the, the woke left who are like, let's tear this statue down and this statue down and we need to destroy this guy. Really? You really think? Are you that arrogant that there's no question in your mind that you would have been for that position? Really? Statistically, the vast majority of people watching if you took the vast majority of subsection of society and said, would you have been an abolitionist under civil war? They would all say, absolutely, I would. Oh, slavery is morally reprehensible. Yet, if you actually take a subsection of society, and this is not about left or right, well, right or better than left, none of that. Subsection of society. 
They all would give themselves the benefit of doubt going, I'd absolutely be an abolitionist. I would absolutely be for Jesus and say free him. I would absolutely be against Hitler and Nazis Germany. Statistically, you wouldn't be. Now, some of you maybe, some of you are good and moral and righteous people and have, have, you know, have a record that, you know, stands the test of time. But the vast majority of people wouldn't. How can I say that and be true? Because this is not my opinion. This is fact. Go back and read whatever section of society you want to focus in on. The vast majority of people just want to be left alone. The vast majority of people have this little box around their life. This is my life. This is my life. Here's my family. Here's my job. Here's my finances. Here's my kids. Here's my hobbies. Here's stuff. And everything else is just outside that box. And I have to focus within my that box. How many people today do you see making an unpopular stand? Think around the, what's considered conventional wisdom on both left and right. And now ask yourself, how many people make conventional stands? I'm getting back to humility. I haven't forgotten about it. I'm making the case for this. How many people make the case for things that are unpopular? Even if you're fundamentally wrong, how many people are, are dare to say, you know what, that's wrong? Let me give you some examples of modern day history. Where are all the Democrats watching their cities burn going, you guys are wrong. You may be right on racism and you may be right on BLM, but burning the cities down is just not popular. Where are all the Democrats? Let me give you another one. You know this stat that Obama used to became made famous? Oh, 97% of scientists agree, you know, universal consensus that climate change is real. Where are the 3% of scientists who go, no, it's not. Think of something unpopular that you've done. How easy was it to do? How easy was it to make that stand and go, nope. I know, I'm, by the way, just in case there are people watching this going, oh, there's John Charles Stones and other people. I'm, I'm equally to blame. I still have to see stuff that's going on, you know, when my family come up to the house. I just, I see arguments and I just go, I'm having no part of that. There's nothing to be gained by that conversation. I see things in work over the years, not having any part of that conversation. I'm not sitting down. I've heard people say to me, you know, anti-American comments, so America is a horrible nation. I'm just sitting there going, I'm not having this conversation in work. I'm part of the problem with that aspect. It's just something I choose not to do. I will do good otherwhere. But there's the thing. And this is why humility is important. Humility is important because we're not all woke. And let me use this language of the left. We are not all woke all of the time. There's an understanding that people will usually try to do their best. People will always try... Now they fail, but we're not perfect. We will try to do the best we can. We will follow our passions, but we are not pure. We are not sinless. And there's this idea, and yes, it's going to link back to Christianity. This understanding of Christianity and why Jesus died for our sins. The most important commandments, Jesus said, love God and love each other. But you have to understand the basis of Christianity, which is what America is said it's built upon. Forgiveness. He died for our sins. When you have someone die for your sins, it means you're not you're culpable. You're not perfect. So you have to have that bit of humility. Because here's the thing about sin or wrongdoing if you're more secular. You want me to use the language of, you know, modern day secularism of just wrongdoing. It's not all with bad intent. Sometimes people are silent not because hey, they're silent and they're complicit. It might be true ignorance. Sometimes people are not, you know, witnesses to bad doing because they believe in the bad doing. It's because they're too afraid of the repercussions of what will come to them if they stand out. If they say, stop it, guess what? They then become a target and they don't want that. This idea of everyone has to be woke, this idea that everyone has to be so pure. To my friends on the left who are even remotely thinking, hey, tearing down that statue is not such a bad idea. I would ask you just to have a bit of humility, a smidgen of humility, because guess what's going to happen? You know way you think you're all hip and cool and woke and awesome? The next generation are going to look at you with contempt as well. The next generation are going to go, what the hell were you doing? 
Ah, oh, you were tearing down statues. Great, great job tearing those statues down. But climate change. You kept doing that. You kept going in your car to a statue to tear it down, which led to more global warming, more CO2, and I have inherited an even more endangered planet. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying what the woke left will say about you. It's important to understand it's needed a bit of humility. Because here's the thing. If we have humility and we have an understanding that not all people are bad, but we don't do good things for a varied number of different reasons. Sometimes that can just lead to you getting more forgiveness. You don't forgive other people because you're a good guy. You forgive people because you're a good person, but also you hope that when a time comes that you screw up and that you hurt and offend someone, that they will forgive you. It's kind of like, if I may use secular language or you know a different religious language, it's called karma. You be good to other people, so hopefully people will be good to you. This is a non-Christian message, but it's similar Christian principles. This idea of understanding, of looking back at revisionist history and going, I totally would have been an abolitionist. Really? What have you done that shows to the world that you've stood up against the popular opinion? When the popular opinion is, oh, America sucks. How many people stand up against that? How many people would stand up against any other popular opinion. And that's just for the left. What about my friends on the right? You're, you're the exact same. How many popular opinions do you stand up against? Just question. It can be about politics. It can be about life. It can be about religion. You know, I see this. I get one of the things I say on a regular basis that pisses everyone off, who some Christians off in America, who still support me, thank you very much, is when I say God doesn't want you to be rich. This prosperity gospel, oh, you pray for money and Jesus will, will come down with a, you know, effectively a bucket of gold and go, here you go, my son, I wanted you to be rich. That's the biggest load of hogwash. And I don't need to tell you to read the Bible today, I just say read any gospel. Read the four gospels of Jesus Christ. That will dismiss, and if you read it, not looking for what you're trying to see, where does Jesus say I'll be rich? Where does Jesus say I'll be rich? But you actually read it with no agenda, you will understand. God wants you to be rich in blessings. God wants you to live a good life. Jesus wants you to, you know, love people and help people and be a servant of people. But he's not like, yeah, and you know, you know what, my son, I want you to have a private jet and I want you to have a fancy car and I want you to have two fancy cars and three fancy cars. And I want you to have a million. Sorry. I'm not saying you can't be a Christian and be rich. I'm not saying that at all because people will put words in my mouth. But this idea where we all pray, oh, Lord, just give me money. Just give me money. Just And he goes, yes doesn't work that way i'm sorry that's not christianity in my eyes but we need to make a stand but here's where the absolutely crucial part is here's why humility is important and here's why speaking out is absolutely critical you see a lot of people look at and i'm going to use the famous example of hitler when was the time to stop hitler you see the problem with bad ideas is true and I'm going to say either ignorance or just irrelevance, just ignoring it, just kind of, no one's going to pay mainstream attention to that. Is, when was the time to stop Hitler? When he invaded Poland? Or maybe the time to stop Hitler was like years and years and years beforehand when he first became Chancellor. Because you see, you have to understand the history of the day. If Christians could have actually understood their word and the message more, they could have stopped Hitler. Because Hitler went into the churches. And so, ah, oh, he wrapped his message in Christianity. And then all of a sudden, over a period of time, the crucifix was replaced with a swastika. And all of a sudden, Hitler became the head of the church. You see this time and time again. We need to start taking ideas, not when they become mainstream, not when they become popular, but actually breaking arguments down beforehand. We are seeing bad arguments being placed on both sides of the aisle. We need to start addressing these, but in humble terms. Because what you're seeing right now, and this is my final point, to anyone who has any doubt that humility isn't working. Why is it this week I have seen certain people who are more libertarian going, I'm vote voting for Donald Trump this week. Austin Peterson was, considered, was one of them who was considered it. Why? Because he saw what was happening in your cities burning. And he saw that the left are so radical. I went... I, I just, I'm, I'm afraid I, we need to stop this. Why does that have anything to do with humility? Because it's all about the argument. 
It's all about making the, the optics of the arguments. There's no American who's going to look at your cities burning. Sorry, let me let me rephrase that one. There's no rational, non-political American who's going to watch that and go, yeah, that's brilliant. Awesome. Great job, Portland. Let's be like Portland. No one's going to do that. The one thing the left, even if you said, and I don't agree with this, but let's just say BLM and all its objectives, let's say they weren't a communist organization, a communist Marxist organization with, you know, ideas of just let's a lot of white people tell black people why they should be offended and, you know, under George Soros money. I'm just going to do everything, just get it all out today and just annoy everyone. I think I've annoyed a lot on the right with humility, so let's just annoy the left as well, shall we? But let's say their, their motives were pure. Let's say Black Lives Matter wasn't a racist um, organization based around communist Marxist ideals. And they just said, the vision of Martin Luther King, 60 years later, still hasn't been fulfilled. We want to raise black people up. We want to destroy racism. And we just want to do it in good terms. Do you think Americans would get on board of that? Why did Martin Luther King win? Martin Luther King won because he was humble. And because he didn't dismiss America, didn't denounce America, he just basically said, at your founding, the America's founders wrote a check. And for whatever reason, and he, he inserted loads of reasons, it has never been good for black America. But now we're here to cash that check. He didn't dismiss America. He didn't demean America. He spoke about an all-inclusive America. What was the outcome? The, you know, the I have a dream speech that everyone knows. I have a dream, but knows nothing else that Martin Luther King said that day. Everyone knows Martin Luther King had a dream, whether you're educated or uneducated. Hey, Martin Luther King, he had the dream, right? Yep. Did he? Do you know what else he said that day? Mm, no, I don't think so. He just had a dream, right? Yeah, he had a dream. Well, 25% of people who were there to witness the I have a dream were white. Why is that? Because when you're humble, you win. All the people who were racist back then, who were part of the civil, you know, the South and Jim Crow, were like, oh, the black people want to come for your power. The black people want to come for your land. The black people are out to get whitey. And they saw Martin Luther King locking arm in arm, walking across a bridge in Semla. They went, the rhetoric doesn't, that's not what I'm seeing. Optics matter. Why are the left losing right now? Because of the optics. Because they see streets burning. Americans see streets burning. They see the lawlessness. And they go, I don't want any part of that. They're lacking humility. But also what you're starting to see. And if people with principles can actually understand. You're this close to actually making major inroads. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. Hardly a right wing icon, is she? Hardly a conservative hero, is she? No, she's actually quite much of a lefty. When J.K. Rowling is like... I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to get about 250 people who are like senior people to sign and kind of go, we need to have free speech and, you know, we don't all have to go along to get along. You're starting to see it. You're starting to see people get it go against cancel culture. Cancel culture. And they're not all free speech right-wingers. You're so close to winning if you just have a tad humility. Because that is why Jesus was so powerful. Why is Jesus the symbol of Jesus? Why was he rejected back in the day? Because some people who were Jewish believed that, you know, when the son of man comes or when an equalizer comes, he will be a great warrior. Not all Jews believe this, I believe. I've spoken to a few who don't. But there are some people who said that when the, you know, the son of man comes or when God comes or when the second coming, that he's going to come with this great shield and this great sword and he's going to be the great equalizer. All the amount of people who want the great equalizer, that great warrior. Can you imagine living back then? Going through all the torment. Look at all the torment the Jews went through. And guess what happened? This guy comes along and flip-flops and just basic and just talks about love. He's not angry. Just love. Just help each other. How powerful is it? Hum hum humility. You look at all the stories... You read, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and convert you to my religion again that doesn't exist. But you read about Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus is the son of God. There is no one on earth who can touch him. And yet he humbles himself before John the Baptist and has him baptize him. Humility wins. 
humility is a key tenet. Because here is why, and this is the final argument of why humility is important. Humility is important because you don't know everything. You don't know everything. If whether you're a genius or not, there are things you do not know. There are things in life that we we have yet to discover. I don't know what those creations are. But if you said to someone 20 years ago about the iPhone, they would have laughed at you. They would have laughed at you. If they would have said, if you had said to someone maybe even 30 years ago, we're not talking, we're back, I was just a baby. We're not talking about way back in the founder's time. We're talking about 30 years ago. If you'd said to someone in 30 years, if you'd said to my parents 30 years ago, well, your son is going to do a show in America and he's going to get in front of his, uh, this thing called an iPad and he's going to record himself and he's going to have a microphone and he's going to record himself on his computer and then he's going to send files to a, a website that he go, which he goes onto his computer and he uploads them to the sky and then a producer in the blaze downloads them from the sky and then puts them and edits them and adds music and hopefully tries to make me sound better because I suck at times. But the idea, then it goes on the internet again and then everyone can listen to it or anyone can watch me. The idea that you get to watch my beautiful face. Wow. Even though I'm going a bit white. I need to need a bit of just for men here. But this idea, they would have thought you were crazy. People were smart back then. We had geniuses back then. But it wasn't part of human existence. We need to understand and be humble enough that we don't know everything. But when you have a creator, and, and specifically I'm going to say God, but whether you believe in any creator, whether it's my God or someone else's God, that all-seeing knowledge, the only person I believe knows everything is God. And what we consider general human experience, to him is stupid. He understands everything. He got it. Even the, the smartest of human knowledge is dumb compared to God's dumbest thought. That's why humility is important. You have to put things into context. If you want to win, be humble. A bit of humility. I'm not saying be a doormat, because people automatically assume that, but I'm just saying a bit of humility. Maybe that's me trying to make the case through historical and American terms and Christianity terms. I could talk about this all day long, but I've tried to condense it down. They're the main reasons I think humility is important. To quote Bill O'Reilly, what say you? I want to finish up today's show with a parable, but before I do, I have to do something that I really suck at. So I need two favors. I would humbly ask you to consider two things. One, I did a video on YouTube. I launched it on Monday. It's a four-minute video on why America is exceptional. I would love it if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're going to be doing more of those. But I would encourage you to check it out. But also at the end, it's basically my bio, the way I see the world right now, which I think you can get a lot from. There's a lot of graphics into it, and there's a lot of thought, and, you know, I, there's a lot of hard work that went into that four-minute video. But I would ask you to check it out, but I would also ask you, it's done in the hope that people will allow me to speak at different uh, events and venues and conferences. As if you, In case you haven't listened to the last couple of weeks, I'm doing a speaking tour. I'm landing there January 23rd. I'm coming over, I'm investing 10k of my own money, coming over till March 27th. I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak everywhere that will allow me. I'm not looking for money. Um, I'm just looking to share a message of why America is exceptional because I don't see that argument coming out as, as much or as frequently as I like. And I think with all humblenesses included on the side, I think I know a few things about why America is exceptional. You may agree with me at times. You may disagree with me. But I think I, I know it and I understand it. And I think I have something to add to the discourse and that's why I'm doing it. I'm going to leave my job. And I'm hopefully, if everything goes right, this is going to be start of a bigger picture of me coming over a lot more talking about principles. Because for me, the founding of America and the idea of America is an idea that must never, ever be lost. So I would ask you to check out the video, check out the YouTube, and share it with anyone that you know that might appreciate it. The second thing, and this is where I really suck. I come from very humble backgrounds. I am blessed beyond means. But I work for... 92 dollars a day or 92 euros a day about 100 dollars a day i'm saving as much money as i can i'm investing about 10k depending on the stock rate on the stock exchange and what it'll be worth in january 
if you have a bit of money and you have nothing aside and you're looking to donate, I've set up a GoFundMe. If you don't donate anything, that's fine. Um, but just please consider it. If you look up Irishman Promoting Founding Principles um, on GoFundMe, you'll see it. You'll see a picture of me. It's my verified account. I'm not here to make money. And this is basically all, if you don't make a donation, whether it's one donation or several donations over the next several months, that's only basically going to cover basic airfare. I'm not like, hey, I'm going to fly first class and I'm going to, you know, be in the big Hilton hotels or the five-star hotels. I, I, I fly coach. I stay in basic B accommodation or even Airbnbs in the places if I can, cheap and car hire. I'll pay for all my food. I'll pay for all my, you know, my gym and my phones and all the other stuff. Basically, anything that doesn't go fund me, it's no frills. It's no expense. It's just basic air flare, um, uh, accommodation and car hire. And the reason I need help with that is because last time a few places asked me to go to really random places. And like it was like a six and a half hour drive. And it was a very regional airport. And they were super expensive to fly into. And I had to say no because I just don't have the budget. If this time happens and if you donate, I don't want to ever say no to anyone. And if you guys donate and you help me share this message, I'll keep you. I'll, I don't know how I'll pay you back. I can't physically pay you back, but in, in rewards, I'll find a way. And if there's ideas out there, you know, if you want private Q&As or private, you know, whatever, you know, hit me up on Facebook or on Twitter. I'll, I'll do anything I can to if you make a donation to, to you know, pay you back, quote unquote, um, without money. So I'd ask you just to consider that. I want to finish up today's show just by talking to you about a fundamental principle that I think is absolutely critical that I have learned this week outside of life um, that is true, and it's true to everything we talked about. As you all know, I've been doing a... I'm officially a competitive powerlifter now, and I've been sharing videos online, and honestly, I'm back training. This is my seventh week back training, and my God, the improvements in my lifestyle, the improvements in my body, my mental attitude, it's just incredible. And I've been sharing some videos with you guys of me doing, because I've I've been tracking my progress. It's for a bigger story I want to share. But, you know, where I was seven weeks ago, you know, I was squatting 40 kilo, uh, like just under 100 pounds. I was benching maybe 130. I'm now up to, as of, I'm now squatting 220 pounds. I'm uh, benching 253, deadlifting 264. So I've got a whiteboard over here with all my goals. And I, I shared it on, on Facebook and Twitter the other day. It's my vision board of where I need to be by October. And I'm setting myself a place and plan. And I've shared some of the videos. And a lot of the feedback I've gotten is, wow, I wish I had your energy. Wow, you know, how do you do that? And I think a lot of people make the mistake about... When you want to make a dramatic change in life, whether it's you want to go lift a lot of weights, which is mine, whether you want to lose weight or just get in better shape, or whether you want to know something, or whether you just want to live a better life, or whether you want to become a Christian, we always automatically think, you know what, I'm going to lose weight then. And we always paint this picture in our mind that says, oh, you know, it's this ideal circumstance and it's going to be easy and... You know, we automatically do this. A lot of people do this with losing weight. Hey, I'm going to lose, start losing weight and my diet's going to be awesome Monday. Okay, why Monday? Because it's the start of the week. Or, you know what, I didn't get it to Monday. You know what, I'll do it next Friday week because that'll be the first of the month. I'll do it then. And we always push it off. And we always put these grandiose things of, hey, this is when I'm, you know, we paint this paint for perfect picture of this is when I'm going to do it. This is when I'm going to get smart. This is when I'm going to live a better life. This is when I'm going to do certain things. I'm here to tell you that's baloney. I'm sorry, I'm not being disrespectful to you. It's baloney. You know how I get energy to go to the gym? I don't have any more energy than you do. In fact, honestly, I don't have much more energy. I do have a bit because my diet is so much better. And even I'm, I'm, trying, I'm still tweaking it. It's not perfect. But do you know how I don't have much more energy, but I still work out? Because I go. There, if I waited around, and I say this especially as someone who's now powerlifting, where when I stop working out, it's sore. And I don't mean like just sore, Jim. I mean like I'm doing a lot of lifting. Like last night I did a 90 minutes on my chest nearly alone. My chest was like, it felt like you hit me with a sledgehammer. It was that sore. Right? If I waited for the times I felt good and said, you know what? I'm feeling good. Now is the time I'm going to work out. Now I'm going to squat. I might work out maybe 5% of the time, 10% of the time. The amount of times I walk to the gym. In fact, this week I have been sick. Every day. I've been puking my ring up since Sunday night. 
Anytime I eat food, I get sick within an hour. And it's really been, it's just a nasty dose. And the reason I say I'm getting sick is because I actually shared this. I had to leave work early one of the days this week because I was just in bits. I was going to pass out. I was going to keel over. I was so weak as I just gotten sick from a big job. And I say I got, I felt like, hey, I got sick. I need to go home. Can I do my extra work tomorrow? They went, yeah, no problem. Are you okay? And I'm like, it's not coronavirus. I don't have symptoms. I'm just puking my ring up. Because anytime you say sick, it's like, oh, it's the Rona. Oh, my God. Are you, are you sick? Oh, my God. I say for 14 days. No, I just can't hold food right now for the last three days, four days. But if I trained every day this week or even over the last eight weeks of the days I felt good and was like, awesome, let's go to the gym, I would have trained three or four times. I've been training three, four times a week. Why do I do that? Because turning up matters. Because there is no great grandiose plan of, hey, now is the time I'm going to start training. Now is the time I'm going to do the right thing. Now is the time I'm going to write that article. Now is the right time I'm going to start my show. Now is the right time I'm going to do a speaking tour. Now is the right time I'm going to be a better Christian. That right time never comes. But what you need to do is get that routine. That you need to get into that gym and just go, you know what, I'm suck. Because let me tell you something, the amazing thing, and this is just about the gym for me, because I know a lot of people are going to disagree. The amount of times I have walked into that gym feeling like crap. Monday was one of them. I walked into that gym. I was pissed off. I had a really frustrating day at work. I was sick as a dog. I got sick like 15 minutes before I went into the gym. And I was just like, you know what? I just, just let's get through this workout. And just, I just want to, I'm done. I just want to go home to bed. Everything was wrong with me Monday. I was in bad mood. Been in bad mood all week, truth be told. I got there. Did a cracking workout. It was started slow, but we got a cracking workout in. Why is that? Because the blood and the endorphins and the chemicals in your brain automatically get into kick into gear. It's only about showing up. The hardest part of going to the gym is getting to the gym. It's not the workout. It's actually getting in your car going and committing going, I have to do this. Why did I share this with you? Am I sharing this with you to bore you about my routine? About, hey, you're a competitive powerlifter. Great, great, great job. No. I'm not looking for plaudits. I'm sharing this because I think it's relevant to what we spoke about just now. If you want to change America, you want to start talking about American exceptionalism, you want to start talking about the Constitution, we all put all these grandiose plans. Oh, we'll talk about the Constitution then. Oh, we'll start being better Christians then. Oh, we'll start being better people then. Never happens. You want to start doing something? Start right now. Make it part of your routine. Start making the difference right here, right now. And commit to it. But the other thing is, start small. If I had went in there ten, you know, eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and said, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, squatting 220 pounds, wouldn't have happened. I started small. Started at like 40, I think it was. No, sorry, what did I start? I can't remember. I think it started at 80 pounds squatting. Then went up to 100. Then 120. Then basically went up by 22 pounds every week, um, or 11 pounds every week. Sorry, I'm getting confused because we measure things in kilos. But each every week went to, went up. Went up by 5 or 10 kilos. Made increments. And now I'm at 220. Next week it will be 244. Please God. It keeps going up. But it takes time. If you want to, if there's a part of your life that you're unhappy with, start small. Commit to the change right now. Because there's never going to be that good, perfect time where you're like, hey, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be nicer. I'm going to be a better Christian. It never comes about. You have to work at it. Likewise with a market. You're seeing things that are going on right now. And the temptation is just to smash them. Look at it in the bigger picture. Now is the time to make things about principles. Now is the time to avoid making things about political parties and about political candidates, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Now is the time to start talking about bigger ideas. Because what is happening with BLM, to bring this all the way back, to right to the start, what's happening with BLM is just it's the latest manifestation of control, of tyranny, of Marxism. What is the answer to Marxism? Or let me go one step further. What is Marxism's kryptonite? It ain't Donald Trump. It ain't the Republican Party. It ain't the Tea Party. It ain't the Libertarian Party. The kryptonite. The kryptonite even more powerful than kryptonite, to Marxism is freedom, is the understanding of nature's law and nature's God. It will beat it every time. Because the great thing about Marxism, sorry, the bad thing about Marxism is you have to work really hard to sow those seeds. The great thing about freedom is you just sow that seed 
and just watch it bloom. Because once freedom takes hold, even in Marxism, they talk about freedom from the bourgeoisie. Even Marx himself, the, the, the founder of Marxism, had to talk about freedom in some aspect. Because up here, freedom sows. Tyranny doesn't. We have to fool ourselves into thinking tyranny works. We have to fool ourselves into that victim mentality that goes, I'm oppressed because of them. We have to understand that right now, there has never been a better time to be alive. Can we be better? Absolutely. Should we ever stop looking to the future? Absolutely. No, we shouldn't. We should always look to the future. So I am getting tongue-tied today. We should always look to the future and be more aspirational and inspirational. But we have to understand we have it pretty good right now. Despite all our flaws, despite all our warts, we have it pretty good. The question is, will we work for it? The question is, will we prove to ourselves and be able to look at ourselves in the mirror going, you know what? I would have been, if I had been around Jesus, I would have asked for him to be freed, not Barabbas. If I had been in Hitler, I would have been saving the Jews. Why do I say that? Because look at what I'm doing now. I'm taking unpopular stands. I'm doing the moral right thing. That is standing for freedom. And that is standing, if you're a Christian, for God's law and God's supreme law. Or if you're not a Christian, standing for the principles of your family. Because they are linked arm in arm. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. And if you're one of those people who's like, I'm so sick and tired of you talking about humility, I'm done. Next week, I don't think we'll be talking about humility. I think we're going we're gonna to be talking about something a bit different, if everything works out. Until next week, I salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the American people. Because unlike other countries which are defined by your politics... I don't think of your politics when I think of America. I think of your people. I think of your principles. Because the sentiments of the Tocqueville are true. America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. And subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.